Our dungeon-delving duo stumble deeper into this frigid lair, searching for their goal and a respite from the necrotic horrors they've faced so far. What's the deal with all the undead? Where is that darned dragon's hole? And how do you even get an ogre down here in the first place? Welcome to me, my spouse, and a die. Hello everyone and welcome to me, my spouse, and a die. I'm Gwyneth, your resident Asimar, Octavia, Marguerite Sinclair. And I'm Austin, your resident dungeon master. Me, My Spouse, and a Die is a family-friendly Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast where we follow our hero, Octavia Marguerite Sinclair, through her adventures in Moir, a continent that has been ravaged by a war against monsters for 15 years. I just wish the mic would follow me around because I can't actually see the battle map from here. I can't see any of it at all, like at all, <laughs> over the uh, the DM screen. So next time I will either need to... You know, I either have to learn to live with this and just not say anything while I pop up to look at the map or to lose the DM screen. I mean, you probably can't see what I'm rolling anyway if I, I mean, have a little stuff, but I yeah. like the DM screen. It's too cool. It is. I mean, so I'm the one who made uh, Austin his DM screen and mm-hmm. it is t- not to f- flatter myself no, or anything. Cool. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty dope. Um, but I'd be okay if you don't want to use it. Then. I do want to use it. Just when I'm playing without a mic, I can usually for combat, I'll stand up so that I can see over and and roll things and do things. So, I mean, we are recording. So, I mean, it's understandable that it's not going to be 100% the same as normal play just by essence of we are recording ourselves. So Still got this map of Barovia up. (laughs) After all this time, still Barovia. Still got that map of Barovia up. I actually don't think Friar Southpaw, who was from our Barovia campaign, I don't think he ever got his mule. No. It, it was my intention to get him you a mule. You were going to buy a mule. I didn't want to tell you, but none of the places, like, the play, there were there were no mules to be sold. I just, I just fantasized about having a tabaxi sorcerer, who is a divine soul sorcerer, and had kind of cross-classed a little bit with Cleric. And so he wore monk robes. And so basically imagine Friar Tuck except a cat on a mule. And his charisma was really high, except every time I tried to proselytize for the cat lord, it I rolled terribly. And so it was always like, listen to the story of the cat lord. And then I would roll like twos and ones and threes, like always single digits, even though he had an extraordinarily high charisma. It was it was fantastic. Yeah. It was it was almost great how poorly he failed at his attempts to convert everyone in Barovia to worship of the Cat Lord. <laughs> I would I would tr- still try running Curse of Strahd at some point. I mean, yeah, I got. I mean, we I had the Taroka deck. We had for it though. Yeah, we had everything. I was very excited, but we got through. We at least got through the entirety of the Sunless Citadel, which I'm happy about. Yes. And it was it was fun. We played for that was our longest session ever. Mm -hmm. That was what like thirteen. We literally played for like twelve hours. Yeah, it's insane. It was was fun, fun. but I don't know if I could ever do it again. 
I was so tired. DMing for like 12 hours. I honestly Man. can't believe that we played that long. That was I can't so either. much fun. And the, it's funny because we played that long and I was like, yes, this group is going to go places. They played for 12 hours and then we fizzled out after three, three sessions. And I was like, <laughs> well, man, guys, awesome. come on. It's the, it's the scheduling. It's the whole like, what is what is the greatest curse for, you know, modern parties? And it's a scheduling thing. It was that day we had perfect scheduling so that we could schedule to play and play those 12 hours. And then after that, it was just... See, I was a nerd in high school. I don't know how I didn't get into this in high school or like oh my middle gosh, school. Same. So like I was homeschooled all growing up. Mm, like I didn't have any friends. I didn't. That's you true. Had sisters. I did have sisters, but that was it. But I was, I mean, like we were all, this was totally have been my jam. Like I loved, you know, Narnia and Tolkien and everything along those lines. So I have no idea why. I didn't find this sooner. Man, okay. If anyone out there wants to play some 4E, hit me up. You do talk about how much you like 4E. I want to play 4th edition so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I'd play it with you. I just would have to learn it. Honestly, I love 5th edition. It's great. But the more I play 5th edition, the more I also want to play other things. We've been talking about trying to get a Pathfinder group for a long time. I'd play Pathfinder. I would play 3.5 or 3. 3.5 is more balanced. I would play 4th edition, which gets a lot of a lot of crap. But 4th edition does get a lot of crap. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm just interested in the Pathfinder rule set because I like how... I, I'm an attorney. I like how many... I like rules. Like, the rules of Pathfinder sound. Like, they have rules for everything, which makes sense, which I really think is... I mean... A lot, but would be really interesting. I don't think I'll ever get around to doing it because it would be so incredibly labor intensive, but I thought it would be cool to run a campaign that's all about time travel. And as your party goes back in time, you have to go through the different editions of D&D. So you like start in fifth edition and then travel back in time to fourth edition and then travel back in time to 3.5 and then travel back to like AD&D and original D&D. So what is the setting of this campaign? Oh, that's that's literally the only thing I have. That's the concept. What if what if it's like a modern day? I don't. Uh, I think it'd still be D and D, D and D, but it's still high fantasy. Oh yeah, definitely. I like uh, the. I idea just thought that would be interesting. Being in modern day, though. I don't like mixing. I don't know modern day and D and D. Don't really. I don't like them mixing as much. It can it can be done well, but it's also yeah. very hard to do well. The, the D20 system is well suited for swords and axes and stuff. Yeah. That's a really cool idea for opinion. a campaign, though. Like, yeah. that's... I like that a lot. The problem is classes from, like, five... The, like, yeah. the original d and I don't know anything about it, but it didn't... It had, like, you know, mage, fighter, rogue, and, like, cleric. Really? And that was like it? Yeah. I think. Don't quote me because I never played it and I don't know that much about it. And all this stuff, they had a lot of like, you know, only certain races could be certain classes mm. and only certain alignments could play certain classes. Like paladins were always awful good. Mm. Stuff like that. So it would be hard to, to get a, a cohesive party from fifth edition all the way back to yeah. first unless they just get more like, I don't know. It'd be interesting. I mean, they could start out as like... If the party was aware of what the, you know, campaign was going to be, then it could be like, well, we have four people and they are, 
you know, the five as much the five V equivalents as, you know, the original as it could be type of thing. Yeah. I've never a, heard that idea from you. It's been bounced around in my mind for a while, but you'd have to know, you know literally all the systems. So many different yeah. editions of D D. And keep them and be able all the to rules, all the, separate mm-hmm. and be like, oh, today, well, we traveled back to 3.5. I also think it would be more fun to play in than to listen to in terms of podcasting. Yeah. I don't think it'd be a good podcast. I mean, I guess depending on what the story is, it could. I, I the characters are engaging I, enough. I think it'd just be hard to parse all of the, you know, changing rule sets yeah. into a enjoyable auditory format. That is intriguing, though. Anyway, he never heard his mind on where he was, eh? what he was doing. Eh? Uh, to quote the Yoda, we should focus on where we are and what we are doing. We're playing fifth edition right we now. We are indeed today. in our homebrewed world of Moir. Maybe when we finish this campaign, I'll take it back and we'll do some foray. I mean, that is the cool thing. We are explicitly just about die rolling. In the title of our podcast. So we could switch over to Pathfinder. We could switch over to whatever. And as long as we can become a Monopoly Mm. podcast and as long as we're rolling some dice, I think we'd be okay. Yeah. We would fall under the umbrella and we would not have to rebrand. Unfortunately, fourth edition wouldn't really work in a one-on-one concept quite as well just because it's... As much as 5th edition is specifically designed for a party, 4th edition is more so. Whereas, like, your party is supposed to have certain roles, like the leader and the striker and the controller and things like that. And different classes take up those roles. And so if there's only one person and you only have one of those roles, you're kind of, you know... 4E was very much a tactical combat game with some, with, you know, D&D roots, which is why a lot of people didn't like it. But it was also super fun. So I don't think it would work as well yeah. for a one-on-one play. Anyway, you're in an ice dungeon. I am. You just killed an ogre zombie as I get off my little fourth edition soapbox. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with fourth edition. I thought it was great. I want to play some more. Be nice to fourth edition. It's it's a good edition. You just killed an ogre zombie yes. in the bottom floor. Yes. Because that's the most logical way to progress through a dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Many eyebrow raises. Look, you can go through this in any way you want. That's where you were, so we might as so well start it there. Killed, you killed an ogre zombie in this room with mm-hmm. many benches. It had trundled out into the hall to try to bash you guys up. There's three more doors in this hallway and a large, mysterious locked stone door all the way at the end. You have one open door mm-hmm. beyond you. And a staircase leading up to unexplored levels above. Mm-hmm. What do you do? How many rounds of combat did we have? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it was maybe like five. Okay. Max. About 30 seconds. So I am. Octavia is going to open the other door on the left hand side of the hallway. The other door on the left hand side. So the one past the door you just opened. Correct. On the same side of the hallway. I'm not going to look in the room you just opened. All right. Yeah. No problem. All right. My flaming sphere is still active. And if there's a bad guy in the other ho- hallway, I want to be able to still use it before my spell slot just gets evaporated literally into air. How long do you use it? It lasts thing? for a minute, so I have 30 seconds at this point. 
let's we can just go in rounds if you'd like. Yeah, let's stay in rounds. All right, so we'll just call out five. I don't know if it was five. It's probably it's about five. Yeah. So you have five rounds remaining. Yes. Go ahead. First round. What do you do? I go to the door on Movement. the check. Correct. I go to the door that is on the same side of the hallway as the previous door that we opened, and I open the door. Ah, the door opens. Move your little person. Now, are you still carrying the torch? Yes. I think so. I don't remember either of us dropping it. Yeah, it's kind of hard. Like, I don't know if you can cast spells while holding a torch and kind of hand-waving it. You can toss it on the ground and pick it up again or, like, put it on the wall. You grab, we grab your torch, you run over, you open the door. All right. Well, I also have the flaming sphere, which I can kind of, like, trot along behind me. Um, So you open the door. It opens freely and swings open. Still, the hinges are kind of iced over, so it takes a little bit of effort but it cracks and swings open and this is the one where you had seen along uh, benches mm-hmm. and various pieces of glass ware so you open it up and it's sort of a similar deal to the room before where it opens and you can see a certain amount in but there's more room off to your right that you cannot see I'm going to take a step to the side and as a bonus action I am going to roll my flaming sphere into the room so you move your sphere in. That is your action? Yes. What do I see? Because it creates bright light in a 20-foot radius and dim light in, a, in an additional. I mean, you can basically only see ahead of you because you're not in the room. So you can see a bend, like a countertop going along the wall. You can see a large sort of workbench in front of you, all arrayed with various sorts of glassware and, you know fantasy beakers and condensers and things like that. Okay. Carhoon is going to slip beside me and he is going to go to the opening of this um, room and he is going to peer in. Carhoon pops his head in, peers to the right, to the left, sees what looks like some sort of alchemical lab As he peers off to his right, he sees something which he cannot communicate to you because he is too busy making a wisdom saving throw. (gasps) Uh Oh no. Oh no, no, no. Six. Carhoon is paralyzed. Okay. So Carhoon's body rigidifies. It's when you are paralyzed in 5th edition. You are incapacitated and cannot move or speak. You automatically fail strength and dexterity saving throws. Attack rolls have advantage against you. Any creature that hits the creature, any attack that hits the creature is a critical hit if the attacker is within five feet. So, pretty crazy. So, Carhoon walks in the room, looks left, looks right doesn't say anything. Mm. Freezes up. I don't know if you can actually see or, or tell. We can have you figure that out on your turn. Going in initiative order, something is going to move past the flaming sphere, which you can't see. You're unaware of this. Mm-hmm. We can have your own perception to see if you notice anything. Uh, rushes across the room and it is going to make a melee attack against Carhoon. It has advantage. 
Ooh, that is going to be 21 to hit. That hits. That is a critical hit. Right. Critical! Oh no! Oh no, 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 no. Oh jeez. Lots of dice are being rolled. Oh, I rolled like garbage. I rolled 46 and three of them were ones. Garbage. Garbage crit. Second time in a row. Come on. That's annoying. That's only eight points of damage. But I need Carhoon to make a constitution saving throw. Okay. 11. Carhoon's hit point maximum is reduced by eight. What does that mean? That means until this effect is over, he can only heal up to 41. Okay, then. And then the thing slides over so it's not next to your sphere. Uh, It would be your turn. Why don't you roll a perception check are you having that be my action or no. just to see if you notice Karun get schwacked 17 yeah so yeah. you you see him you maybe don't notice that he freezes up a little unnaturally but you definitely see that he walks in turns his head doesn't say anything but then something clearly comes up and you hear it thwack yeah. against him okay uh, so you know something's up oh key doki well, before I do anything, I'm going to use my bonus action to ram this flaming sphere into this creature. Can you see it? Mm-mm. That was actually just what I was re-looking at. You can move through current space. You can move through outline spaces. Right, but if, if I pop into the room, I'll be adjacent to this creature. This is true. I don't really want to be. This true? Can I, like, poke my head around Carhoon and then ram the sphere? Can I hover in Carhoon's space? You can move through it. You cannot, like, stay there. Stay there. And I don't know where the creature is quite yet. You do not. You know there's something in there. You know, something came in, hit him. You don't know But you don't know exactly where. Yeah. Because you can't really see I would, I would go into the room to try to figure out what the scoop is, seeing that he's been incapacitated in this way. So I'm going to move through Carhoon Square, move into the room, okay. which will make me adjacent to this creature, and mm-hmm. I am going to ram this creature with this flaming sphere. It's a 13. Fail. So throw. you are going to take max damage 12 fire. Good damage. All right, you burst into the room, and before you, you see a creature fitting with the motif of certain things you've seen so far. Uh-huh. We've gotten we've gotten a little bit of theme so far. Yeah, it's sort of wearing tattered blackish, bluish scraps of fabric. Its face is just sort of a an almost like cobalt-colored skull with little wisps of. Uh-huh. Bright whitish blue light coming from within. Its uh, hands are extended in sinister claws that are just sort of waiting to tear into something. Does it look like the hag from upstairs? No. It looks like a skeletal thing. thing. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then, as my action action, I am going to bop it on the head. Ten to hit. That's a miss. Okay. 
dodges out of the way. It is Carhoon's turn, who is paralyzed. He can make a wisdom saving throw okay. to try to break from it. Roll the natural two. He is remaining paralyzed. Okay. This thing is going to... It's sort of right up in there. It saw you swing and miss, uh, so it's not... Right now, it's not terribly worried about you hitting it, so it's just going to run over to the opposite side of the room. Natural one for that opportunity attack. And that is why it ran. Uh, It runs over. It then makes two ranged attacks, one at you, one at Carhoon. Okay. The one versus Carhoon will have advantage. Which is good because one of the rolls was a natural one. Mm. The other one is a 18. Ugh, that hits. This is not a critical hit because it is now within five feet. Oh, God. Goodness gracious. But Carhoon takes 10 points of necrotic damage. It raises a hand at you and shoots a ghastly bolt at you as well mm-hmm. for a natural 20. That's your second 20. There we go. What, what? You take 13 points of necrotic damage. So I take six since I'm resistant. Are you? Well, that is good for you. I shouldn't have told you. All right. It is your turn. Okay. As this bluish black skeletal figure rushes across the room and fires two ghastly silvery whitish blue bolts of painful necrotic energy at the two of you. If there's something that is said that it's a bonus action to do, I can't just spend my action doing it, right? You don't have to take an action, though. Right. If I want to do two bonus actions, I can't just spend my action doing one. That was me shaking my head now. (laughs) Is this thing flying? Nope. It's walking? Yeah, it's running around, clattering its little bony feet, clacking on the icy ground. Octavia is seeing this creature and she raises her hand to make a strength saving throw, please. Uh, doing this again. Yeah. Eleven. Fail. You are now restrained. She's okay. also going to ram into you with this flaming sphere, so also make a dex save. Did you, you make your concentration check first? Oh, I have Because it hit you. Oh, it did hit me. Oh, sorry. Yes. Natural 14. Alright, so dex save for the sphere. It's a fail. Perfect. You also had disadvantage on it, too. Yeah, it's not going to change. It definitely fails. You take 10 fire damage. Mm-hmm. So that was your turn. So it is Carhoon's turn. He can make a wisdom saving throw. 12? Nope. Carhoon Jeez. is still paralyzed. Hey yo. So this thing looks back at you and the flares in its eyes light up for a second and then it... <laughs> disappears in a flash of silvery what? mist and appears in the corner. <laughs> uh, so this thing Misty steps out of the restraining vines. It's your your turn. I'm going to first run my flaming sphere into it. So again, make ye old deck save, please. Fail. Okay. I don't think I've succeeded against this flaming sphere once. You no, know you did. The ogre did. One time. Fire, five. Five fire. Okay. And, jeez, can I do anything to help Carhoon? Um, I mean... Because a wisdom 
it's a wisdom saving throw, and that's something that guidance can't help, right? Correct. Can I, like, slap him and be like, get your wits about you, or something? Like, is, is there anything like that that I can do? Um, not for a saving throw. You can help, but that's only for attacks or ability checks. You can't really help people on saving throws. Unless you're, like, a paladin or a cleric. That is, that's all that I'm going to do this turn. Yeah, I'm just going to ram it with my sphere. Okay. It's Carhoon's turn. Make a wisdom saving throw. 19. 19. All right. Finally, Carhoon oh snaps gosh. out of it. About time. That was pretty good. Jeez, Louise. I was about to run up and try to crit him one more time. Ugh. Oh, uh, would have had to get through me. I would like it to Carhoon. She's very protective. Uh, so Carhoon snaps out, but that is its his turn. Uh, okay. It is this thing. It's called a Deathlock White. Gee, oh my gosh. <laughs> it is going to sit there in the corner, fire two more blasts. One at each of you, I think. Okay. So. How can it see Carhoon? Oh, that's fair. All right, it's firing both at you. Okay. <laughs> I rolled a 15 and a 17 on the die, so I'm going to assume those <laughs> no. are both going to be hits. Both hits. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no. From the first bolt of ghastly white energy, you take seven points of necrotic. So three. Uh-huh. And from the second, wow, garbage roll, you take four points of necrotic. So, two. so honestly, not that bad. I would rather you hit me than Carhoon, since I have the resistance to it. You know, she, like, feels her eyes, you know, her pupilless eyes just kind of, like, radiate with energy as she kind of, like, just rejects some of this, like, necrotic damage type of thing. It's your turn. Actually, you need to make a deck save. Can you save from this one time? No. It can't. Eight fire. Eight fire. All right. It's your turn. I'm a ram it. Same roll as last oh, time. Oh, uh, uh, I need to make a con save. Wait. Oh, that's right. You do. Natural 14. You need to make two, technically. Natural 12. Yeah. And then you failed that. I failed, yes. Six. Fire. It explodes. Yes! And crumbles to a pile of brackish ash on yes! the floor. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I feel like with that, the... Was that around-ish, five-ish rounds? Oh, oh, man, I wasn't even keeping track, even though I should have been, but yes. Okay, well, I assume with that, the the flaming sphere also... Like, just dissipates into into moats, and I'm going to release the magic on the entangling vines, and they also kind of just... Just kind of, uh, you know, sink back into the stony ground from which they had sprung. Mm-hmm. Um, Octavia's going to turn to Carhoon and be like, "Are are you all right? Like, is everything okay? Can you can you see me? Are you okay?" Yeah, uh, I just got paralyzed by whatever magic that thing cast at me. Okay, well, I'm glad you're. I'm, I'm glad you seem on the up and up. Okay. Yeah, for now that could have gone pretty bad. Yeah. Shall we examine these two rooms before we venture across the hallway? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are going to do perception checks on this room. Okay. Yay, exploration. Octavia rolls a 
16, and Carhoon rolls a 5. So, Carhoon doesn't see much of anything. There's lots of glassware, some of it broken, some of it okay. There's some pouches of things that you recognize as uh, relatively common, like spell components and okay. whatnot. It seems like sort of an alchemical area. You find in one of these benches, there's a little drawer that you open up and you find a small uh, leather-bound book that has a number of various recipes within it. Mm, what kind of recipes? Um, most of them are, you know, probably things you you know, not nothing terribly special, and you don't know if the ingredients uh, you would have to make them. But one of them catches your eye. Uh, one that you're not as familiar with, and this one seems to have the most notes sort of scribbled in the mm-hmm. margins and has been thumbed through the most significantly. Turn the oven to 400, not 375. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> it, it appears to be some sort of potion that uh, recreates, huh. sort of synthesizes a elfin-made draconic breath. Oh, so a kind of like a a breath breathing mm-hmm. type of thing. Yes. Does it seem to be of a certain type of breath? Fire. Okay. Roll an investigation okay. check for me. Three. What about Carhoon? Uh, sure. As he sort of leans over your shoulder. Yeah. That's ah, a bit better. Twenty-two. <laughs> I'm like I I'm looking at this and I'm like I'm an herbalist but like I usually just like gathered the ingredients I don't really understand this and I'm like eh? you understand this like show it to him. <laughs> Carhoon points out he he points out one of the notes in the margins and he says uh, this bit here refers to something about igniting a furnace. I don't know. That seems important. Is it like a capital F furnace? No, it just, you know, a lot of these little notes talk about, you know, adjustments to the formula. Uh, this might give us some idea of what this was used for. Oh, so it, so it's referring to igniting the furnace as part of the preparation of this potion, or that this potion ignites a furnace? It seems like, from my reading of this, that... This potion is made with the purpose of it being used to ignite some sort of furnace. Okay, interesting. Does it have, I mean, does this recipe book have any sort of, like, you know, this is the property of Gary Bad Guy, or... or (laughs) Gary Bad Guy. (laughs) You know, or anything like that, like, any sort of signature. Craig, the big bad guy's name is... Gary bad guy. Well, I mean, this this area is so much older than Crag. Like Gary bad guy. <laughs> Stroke of <laughs> genius there, creative luck. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, you do not find any uh, identifying markings okay. in it. But most of the handwriting seems to be the same person's handwriting. Yeah. Yeah, more or less. Okay. Okay. Are there anything else on these tables? Glassware, components, shards of, you know, such and such. Right. Can I make health potions? Maybe. Probably not good ones. 
like they would do little good or they could potentially have like crazy side effects. So you're an herbalist, not an alchemist, right. first of all. Second of all, introducing a mechanical no, way for you to I just am generate. efficient with alchemist supplies. Right. <laughs> Maybe. Introducing a way for you to generate health potions is a quick way to derail any sort of challenge. Sure, just thinking so of because you we're might right be here able with to. the implements, with, I'm sure they have also you know, I wouldn't necessarily With the equipment have all and stuff. with some time you might be able to fashion something. Okay. It's just a thought even for mm-hmm. the road, just since I we've not really been able to come across people who've sure. had them. Um can I look at the body of this weird white? It's a pile of ash right now. Oh, at, oh, okay. Completely yeah. disintegrated. Yeah. Okay. Can I do like a religion check on whites? Or would it be sure. uh, something else? You could do a religion check. 17. Generally just like an evil undead thing that while alive was driven by dark desire and great vanity. So it's not a created thing. In some senses, it was alive, it died, and then some ritual turned it into a white. So it wouldn't necessarily have wanted to become a white. Some whites might seek to become whites. Some whites might be made whites by uh, other means against their will. Okay. I'm just trying to find out who's, you know, who, who is Gary bad guy? You know, who who this, you know, who these chambers were originally. That's that's something that's really heavy that's, on Octavia's mind. That's a question, ain't it? Okay. Are there any cupboards that I, that she missed rifling through or drawers or are there stools? No, you guys or? have looked through it pretty, uh, pretty thoroughly. Okay. There's cupboards, but they're full of more mundane glasses or little stands to hold up the glasses. Yeah. And rotted and frozen components. And whatnot. Right. Are any of these components still viable? Some of them are. Yeah. I mean, the cold is preserved a, a fair amount. And it's still really cold down here, right? It's still very cold down here. Okay. Is it as cold as the surface? No. You don't have the wind chill. Okay. So we don't necessarily feel as much of the like, oh, we will definitely die if we... Correct are here. Okay. I mean, Octavia will grab any of the components that seem viable still that are could be useful in the future for making something or even bartering in the future. I'll call it survival. Yeah, sure. Sort of like scavenging for berries and stuff. Seven. You get a handful of stuff. You're not sure how worth how how much it's going to be worth. After seemingly, you know, sweeping through this room, Octavia is going to uh, gesture to Carhoon and be like, let's let's check the room that the other zombie came out of. Okay, pop in that room. Now empty. You see it's got another one of these sort of like bench tops stretching around the perimeter of the room. Okay. The interior of it are two large sort of work Beds, almost like surgical tables, in the center of it. On closer look, you can see now that uh, on these countertops are, you know, some pages and and a few small books that you had seen preliminarily, but also things like scalpels, saws, blades, forceps, stitching things. Oh, it's sort of a gross 
necromantic uh, oh, laboratory. Like Dr. Zed, except not bright and colorful and funny. Yes. Mm, okay. Okay. Hence uh, the zombie. Octavia's gonna rifle through these papers, like, kind of trying to kind of keep this nausea at bay at just seeing this just this disdain for for natural life and this ugh. What languages do you speak? Common, druidic, celestial, and elvish. Okay. What is Carhoon? Common, elvish, draconic, dwarvish, and gnomish. Okay. Uh, roll, a, roll a perception or investigation check. Carhoon or both of us? Whoever's looking around. Okay. I mean, we both are, so... Octavia crit failed, but for a seven. Carhoon, 15. Looking around the room on the scraps of paper and the books, they all relate to various things about necromancy, reanimation, dark magics of that sort. Carhoon finds another small notebook filled with handwritten notes and he opens it up and shows it to you and flips through. And you can see on the pages are, yeah, clearly handwritten notes in a language that you cannot read but you recognize to be draconic. Oh. That is just like going through the various anatomies of different creatures. You find a page on what look to be similar to elves and then something on like goblins and something on kobolds and something on ogres and and various things like that. But all humanoids. Yes. And the notes are in draconic. Draconic. And Carhoon can roughly translate uh, that, you know, it's dealing with the magics of life and hmm. you know reanimation mm-hmm, animation mm-hmm. things like that interesting mm-hmm. and again no type of identifying no identifier of does the handwriting of the draconic seem to be the same handwriting across the board of the person who had the notes in the recipe book it does not look to be the same notably i'll say because this is may be important. The alchemy book was written in Elvish. Old Elvish. This is written in Draconic. Was the alchemy book written in, like, first Elvish? It's hard to tell. It's definitely not modern Elvish. Can Carhoon do a history check on references to if there is some sort of furnace in Elvish mythology that usually, you know, pops up type of thing? Sure. Non-natural 20. He can't think of any sort of mythos that involves a furnace. With him knowing Draconic, does he know anything in the mythos of the First Age that refers to a furnace? Rolling over the history check, uh, he can't think of anything in particular. So no furnace and all the mythies that he knows. Correct. This is maybe weird, but does it seem like the notes in Draconic were made by a hand that's like a normal humanized, humanoid-sized hand? So it's like in a normal-sized notebook, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like it was like an actual dragon writing it. You do not get that sense. Okay. Yeah, I'm just trying to be like, <laughs> was this a dragon using its big claw mm-hmm. to, to like <laughs> ginger, you know, yeah. type of thing? Okay. No. And do I get a sense of the age of these books? Very old, but it's hard Very to tell. Very old, okay. Do, you know, does it, 
again, in, in the hundreds or in the thousands or... In hundreds is a safe bet, okay. if not more. It's hard to tell. You don't have carbon dating. Right. Is there any, you know, any other drawers or anything that we missed in this pseudo-surgical wing that we missed or... Not that you can are find. Are there any other body parts in here? Or is it cleanish looking or... In like a cupboard you might find a couple jars with some preserved okay. frozen hands or something. And and same in the alchemical <laughs> room. Did they did it seem organized? It was. It doesn't look like it'd been ransacked per se. Did it seem like someone was leaving in haste? You don't get that impression. Okay, so nothing you, you know, the traditional like things toppled over, no. stools toppled over. Okay. Seems like an abandoned ruin that no one has been in in a long time. Well, after seeing that there was nothing else in this pseudo, you know, surgical area, uh, Octavia is going to turn to Carhoon and be like, "Do you want to try any of those other doors? I know that we're both maybe not the best off, but I mean, we're gonna have to go through them eventually. So, do you want? Do you want to?" try them now or do you think we could barricade one of these doors and maybe have a full rest you know shut our eyes for a moment in one of these rooms or the choice is up to you so across the hall we have the room where the sliver of wood didn't go through the keyhole correct and we have the room that seemed to have a bunch of like bunks it looked like a bedroom a bedroom oh just a bedroom okay I mean, I, again, turning to Carhoon, I mean, I know that we've maybe not expended 100% of our resources, but I had, these last two rooms did have uh, creatures that were, were difficult to contain, and I mean, who knows, there could be three times the amount of creatures or five times the amount in another room. I don't know if it's, I mean, the safest place potentially that we could be is down here so if it seems if it seems wise to you um, again you have you have more experience uh, you know being in ruins like these than I do with your experience in Montignon if it doesn't seem like it would curdle your blood or anything I think that we should I think we should take a sleep in here okay if we can get safe and sound somewhere do you think that one of these rooms, we could barricade the door to a point where it would be safe in here? We could certainly try. What are the walls of these things in here? Stone. Stone. Is it colder than 32 degrees in here? Celsius or Fahrenheit? Fahrenheit, I'm an American. <laughs> it's definitely colder than 32 Celsius anyway. I'm a scientist, so my brain is split between Fahrenheit because I'm an American and Celsius because I'm in science, and I, at this point, I have no sense of what either of those scales means. <laughs> so, so as opposed to being familiar with both, it's just kind I'm of just like I'm just like I don't know what 32 means anymore. I I don't know, man. Anyway, but um, we are it's you know it's loathsome to take a long rest in a dungeon but you know we're i mean sure octavia has some wild shapes left but if they face a creature that can't take physical damage or is another one of these they've seen some weird undeady white creepy stuff that isn't you know 
punch, punch. So without having her full, you know, book of abilities at hand, they, I mean, Octavia would be most comfortable probably taking a long rest okay. here. So which room do you go in? Alchemy or necromancy? Which seems less creepy? They're both kind of creepy. Well, probably but alchemy room. one is room. full of bone saws. Yeah, probably <laughs> alchemy room because <laughs> one is full with bone saws. Yeah. So they're going to drag the body of the ogre zombie mm-hmm. back into the necromancy room and close the door. Mm-hmm. And they're going to brush the dust of the white into a dustpan <laughs> and sprinkle it over the zombie in the necromancy room because Octavia's like, I don't want to sleep in a room that has that creepy pile of ash. And they're going to close themselves in the alchemy room. Octavia is going to cast Create Water again mm-hmm. and use it to create a layer of ice in front of the door. On your side of the door or on, on the outside? On side of the door. Okay. And then they're going to pile all of the tables in front of the door. So those tables aren't so much tables as they are like built into the ground. Oh. So you can't really move them. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh, okay. Are there any stools or any other chairs that they can There's put in front a of the stool door? or so. We'll put but, those in front of the door. Sure. And then you guys hunker down for a long rest. That's right. All right. Wait, how does using a spell scroll work? If it's on your spell list, you can just use it. If not, you have to make a check. Okay. I don't think this is on my spell list. I think I... it's a it's a wizard spell, so. All of them? Yeah. Okay. So what check do I have to make? What level is it? Let me look it up. This you have to make an arcana check. Alarm. I think alarm is first level. So you would have to make uh, 11, DC 11 arcana. So Octavia is going to cast, try to cast alarm in the center of this room. And we are both going to sleep inside of it. Make a arcana check. If you roll, you have to make an 11. It's not too hard, but you could still fail. I fail. Okay, you don't cast alarm. All right. The spell scroll dis- dissolves. Okay. Cool, 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 What did you roll? I rolled a 10, and I have a negative 1 to my arcana. Oof, yep. I should have had Carhoon cast it. That's okay. Well, could he have? I don't know. I mean, he's a... Eh, he could have rolled for it, yeah. Anyone to try to roll for it. He would have gotten it. Well. <laughs> the danger of spell scrolls. Danger of spell scrolls. All right, well, after using Create or Destroy Water to make that layer of ice in front of the door, I'm going to use my final spell slot to... No, I'm going to keep it. And then, yes, we rest. Okay. Are you taking watches? We will be taking watches, and again, Carhoon only needs to sleep for four hours. Who's taking first? Carhoon will. Okay. Carhoon's watch goes by. He wakes you and, you know, settles down for his meditation. Okay. During your watch, you're sitting there keeping watch. It's cold. It's kind of boring. Carhoon's sitting there in the corner, legs crossed, eyes closed, just kind of breathing very slowly. Mm -hmm. And as you're in this room, sheet of ice over the door, you hear a little tap, tap, tap on the outside of the door. And then you hear it a little bit louder. So more of like a rap, rap, rap on the door. Knocking on my bedroom door? Yeah. 
and then a little bit louder, as if something's like pounding into your door. And then you hear ever so faintly through the ice and through the wood a clatter of little bony jaws. What? And we'll pick up their next episode. and mention Fresser. All of the above. Alright, shall I take us out, my love? Yes. Thank you all so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to our show. A great way for us to grow and reach more people like you is for you to share us with your friends. So please tell your sister about us and your brother and your significant other and your boss and your spouse and that person that you watch world of dance with and anyone who you think might be interested in our story and in our game if you want to get in touch with us please shoot us an email at me my spouse and i at gmail.com or get in touch with us on social media we're active on twitter and instagram and our handle is at and a die podcast we'd really love to hear from you and what your thoughts are about the show and we always try to respond to each message that we get catch you all next week 